welcome to the ghost gig. Are you sitting comfortably? Then let's begin. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Hello. Is it too... No, it is all right. You can still say it's 7th of Jan. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably Happy New Year to most people at this yes. point still. A Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah, hello. Happy 2024. Yeah. Who's written the wrong year yet? Have you? No, um... Yeah, but I don't think it was 23. I think I got myself completely confused. You wrote 2025 or something? No, I thought I was back in the 1900s. Oh, know. okay. Even better. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it's it's not like we're at school having to write it all the time, you know, so much. So Fair enough. I have to write it sometimes at work. Yeah. I think I've written it correctly most of the time. I've been, I've been reasonably good. But, you know, when I do fail, it's spectacular rather than just writing. Absolutely, yeah. In for a penny, in for a pound. Exactly. Yeah. Um, hope everyone's good. Hope everyone had a good holiday period. Um, this is a special episode of The Ghost Gig because we're actually going to do a listener story episode. It has been a while, hasn't Woo! it? Oh, like we've, I think we've done like one other, like two years ago or something. <laughs> well, that was a while back. Um, I have three scary stories um, for you from our lovely listeners. Uh, there were more that were sent in, but two of these are quite long. And obviously I've gone sort of in date order um with the stories and i've got one um just very short one to start with as well um that's a bit more recent but i thought it'd be a nice sort of amuse bouche yes Is that yeah. right yes I, I, you prepared a menu for us yes i have so um do um send in your stories if you'd like it to appear on the episode and there was um a few people who sent them in but as i said the, uh, the episode uh we don't want it to be too long so you know, I've saved them for future episodes. Okay, okay. Like they're, they're not gone. They're not forgotten. No, absolutely They're not. just not yet. Okay, that sounds fine. Absolutely not. Okay. Um, well, let's let's do those at some point. Yeah. Thank you so, Sweet. so much for people to send them in. Um, it's really lovely hearing from you. So for this first episode of 2024, we're just going to read some listener stories and then we'll get back into um, all of our ridiculousness in the next episode. Yeah, we, we haven't watched a film yet, have we? So no. we should probably yeah. sort that bit first. Oh uh, yeah, and the next uh, episode is a Jewish Jew a song episode, so we yeah. need to start looking at scary songs. Uh, but oh, yes, we do hate doing that, don't we? I feel like I'm still crawling out of you know the depths of the Christmas period and just re- you know readjusting and getting back to things being normal at the moment. So. How are you finding reality? Yeah, well, this is this is this is a welcome, like nice, gentle um, pathway back into recording the episode. I know I what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So, are you ready for some stories? I am poised and ready for stories. Okay. This first story comes from Angie. It's very short and sweet. Hello, and I Angie. thought it would be a nice uh, thing to wet your whistle. All right? Okay, lovely. Ready? Uh, yeah, hang on. Just get... Yes, okay. Let's begin. My sort of sleep paralysis story is this. About two years ago, my brother-in-law was staying with us. He'd remained homeless and was staying with us for about a month. He'd stressed me out due to being irritating, arrogant and generally arsy when this happened. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. No, but I suppose if yeah, you know, I suppose life is probably not that fun at that point. But anyway, anyway. I was asleep and dreaming when an urgent voice called my name repeatedly, urging me to wake up as he was coming and then saying urgently, he is here. I jolted awake to see a shadow figure, roughly five foot to five foot four, standing beside my bed. Yeah. Welcome to sleep paralysis. Mm, I was lying on my side and I didn't feel that I could move, but my body was swaying. This figure just stood there. I knew it wasn't my husband, as I knew he was asleep beside me, and it wasn't my brother-in-law, as both men are six foot seven. Gosh, they're tall. They are, aren't they? Yeah. Tall family. Um, That's interesting, her saying about her body swaying, because I've had sleep paralysis where I've 
sort of hallucinated that I'm on a waltzer. So oh, I can't okay, move. Okay. My body's spinning round really, really fast. I, okay, okay. That that makes sense, actually, because when you're drifting off to sleep, sometimes you can have that sensation of kind of being on a boat or something. Yeah. I mean, you know, we all know sleep paralysis is a natural scientific thing. However, the one weird thing about sleep paralysis is we all tend to hallucinate the same thing. Either a shadow figure like Angie here or a hag or a man with a hat on. Okay. Now you tell me Quite solid patterns. how science can explain that. Why do we all, people all over the world, all different backgrounds, millions of people with sleep paralysis all hallucinate the same thing. That's very strange if you ask me. It's strange. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, all the people around the world who've reported it as sleep paralysis anyway, probably come from something of a similar cultural background, at least to some degree. Yeah, I, don't know, true, I can imagine but... that there's there are universal things which are terrifying, as we've found in the last fifty-eight episodes, something that we've gone through, you know, uh, and someone looming over you in your sleep is always going to be terrifying. In my mind, <laughs> obviously, I don't know if I believe this or not, but I'm like, you know, um, if the demons are a thing, there's there's a cohort of sleep paralysis demons that are all hags and hat men and shadow figures. <laughs> like, oh, 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 she's having sleep paralysis, right? Who's free to go and yeah, you know yeah. terrorize so and so? Um, anyway, yeah, that, in my brain, that's what I like to think happens, but probably go not. go Swindon, Swindon now, now, <laughs> quick, go go go! It's like um, it's like Santa on Christmas Eve, you know. Who's... Well, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, um, Aji now has another short story. Okay. And this is set in 1987, and she writes, "I was 10 and riding on the London Underground with my mum. I forget now where we were going, and I don't know why my brother wasn't with us, but he wasn't." Anyway, I was sat next to my mum on the tube and I noticed a man dressed in red, a red shirt, a red suit, compete with a red tie. His hair was close cut to his head and he had a black goatee. He was looking straight at me and smiling creepily. I kept glancing away to look at my mum before glancing back to him. So he's already making eye contact on the tube, Mm, so that is terrifying. He just kept smiling and staring at me. I thought in my ten-year-old mind that I don't believe the devil exists, but if he did, this guy would be the devil because of the vibe he gave off. And you're underground anyway. Yeah. Years later, I'm 46 and it's stuck with me. I never knew if he was just a creepy, eccentric old man or if he was, in fact, a demon. Now, Angie, I mean this with the deepest of respect because that does sound really creepy, but a tube, you know, underground, probably a creepy old man. Unfortunately, I've seen many, and and they I'm could sure easily have, yes. easily pass as demons easily, and in a way that makes things even worse. That there's a creepy yeah. old man staring at a ten year old. It's just pretty nasty. Yeah, uh, the, the, all all in red though. I mean, I can see why that would be. You know, it's a look, isn't it? I yeah. mean, that, that's making a statement of some kind. I mean, if the devil was going to wander around London, you'd think he'd be a bit more subtle, really, than all in red with a, you know, basically <laughs> twirling his moustache like fucking, was it Vincent Price? Yeah, yeah. You know, ha, 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 you know, like. I don't think that's quite the way I, I know, imagined it. It sounded like I was doing a ben- b- bad French impression. It was then. a bit strange. But you know what I mean. You know what I mean? The twi- I know, twirling, maybe, maybe twirling of the moustache. Thing. Thing. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, can I get away with this? Yes. Um, this is brazen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for me, I think. That is something scarier than a demon. It's a it's a pervy old man. Might not be pervy. I mean, he could have been from a ten year old. He's staring at a ten year old. Yeah, that's I mean, it's, weird. It's, it's bizarre. Yeah, it's unsettling for sure as well. So, mm. um, so thank you so much, Angie, for sending those, sending those in. I can completely relate to you on the sleep paralysis um, story. Absolutely. And as I said, even though it's a scientifically um, viable, you know, sleep uh, disorder. 
I still think there's there's bits of it that are unexplained. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely relate to you on that. Our next story comes from Cara, and Cara sent this in months and months and months and months ago. So thank you for being so, you've so been, patient. You've been sitting on this I for have a while, haven't you? This, yes. Oh. Um, and Cara's um, given us some stories about her workplace. Oh, okay. So this would be really cool. Okay. Interesting. Here we go. All right. And this is about the Guild Hall in Leicester. Ah, okay. I've never been there. I've never been. No. Have I been to Leicester? I, I, don't, I don't know. I've been through it on a bus a few times. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. think I've been. Might have been. Don't know. Um, I think Leicester, the bus got lost in and went around and around for a while. So you've been around and around. It, was, it was scary, but a different kind of scary. Okay. Neither of us have been to the Guild Hall, though. No, sure no, we haven't. That. Right, so she starts with a bit of history, a bit of background, and she says, Woo, history! <laughs> <laughs> I like the Sally starting And we like story. her already. Yeah. The Guildhall is situated in the old heart of Leicester, next to the cathedral, a stone's throw from where Richard III was found buried. I remember oh, that. Yes, yes. Yeah. That's very cool. The building, it makes me feel smart. I'm like, oh, yes, I remember that piece of history. <laughs> the building was continuously used and developed for a variety of purposes. There is a section of Roman walls, the 600-year-old Tudor Hall, Victorian police station and jail, office for the mayor, and it even hosts one of Europe's oldest libraries. Wow. The li- this is literally a hotbed of history. Mm. It sounds very cool. I'd definitely like to go there and see all that. It is a hotbed of history. Absolutely. Um, and then she writes, I used to volunteer there before I moved away. It was an absolute hoot and I loved every single minute of it. Not only did the museum offer tours, there were also reenactment shows, music co- concerts, plays, ghost hunts, and even a zombie run at one point. Wow. All used in the main hall as its backdrop. Yeah, this place sounds very cool. That does sound cool. Yeah, you, she had you at zombie run, didn't she? Oh, it sounded pretty interesting Vince's, before that. Vince's eyes lit up at the word zombie. <laughs> I've never been on one. Yeah, and we haven't really looked at zombies yet on the podcast because I am really uninterested in them, but we should. There's so many good films. I, I know, keep trying to, I know. We'll get there. I'll win, I'll win you over. I should remind myself that this is not just my podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm here too. <laughs> also, there's some really, really good zombie films, but let's, let's go back to this. There are. Anyway, Sean really sorry. Let's, let's go back to the story. Um, these events could go on into the early morning and sometimes we've been clearing up till 2 or 3 a.m. The building is set up around a small square courtyard. The reception leads into the courtyard and you face the oldest part of the building, the Tudor Hall. There are some very narrow stairs leading from the hall up to the recorders of office. Uh, this is where the, the person who took notes on the trials were held in the hall. Hmm. And then it goes through to the library. Stairs on the other end of the library lead to a corridor. To the right, it goes back to the reception and the police house, and to the left are the cells. You with me? Mm-hmm. Sweet. There are lots of tales about this place, but I'll focus on three. The ghost cat, the cell, and the grey lady. There's we, some time on a traditional stuff here. We, do. Good. we have a grey lady in Tumbridge Wells. Yeah. She, uh, she's a popular figure. Um, the grey lady is the reason that the TV show Most Haunted visited the Guild Hall. Ah, okay. I've never seen it. It's talked about a lot on Paranormal Podcasts. I've never watched it. Apparently, she was caught on camera haunting the place. Honestly, I've seen the footage and it looks like a sycamore leaf falling in front of the camera. The local stories about her are way more interesting. Apparently, she used to live there and effectively created the library on her own. Wow. Books at the time were very expensive and she was very wealthy. Mm -hmm. Her main haunt is the library. Unsurprising. Absolutely, yeah. Now, this building will creak if you look at it funny. (laughs) So any phantom steps to be taken need to be with a pinch of salt. 
but she has been known to pace back and forth. The library is a long room. Bookcases line the walls. They are temperature controlled with glass doors. In the middle of the room is a huge table with a Bible on top. As I said, books were expensive, so the glass doors were to help stop theft. They are original and massively helpful with preserving books. Mm, I bet. Yeah. Odd that the Bible is always left on the table open to the public. Local legend has it that the Bible was owned by the Grey Lady. Hmm. Whenever it was put in a bookcase, it would either fall off or found against the glass. So, to act as an example of the museum, it was left open on the table so visitors could see the illustrations and calligraphy. That must be a fancy Bible. I've never seen a Bible with illustrations and oh, calligraphy. They used to be, well, as you already pointed out, they, they the used to be very times. expensive. That was a, a big thing to yeah. own, was a, a big status flex. Every night at closing, to try and prevent discoloration, the Bible was shut. Mm. Every morning, the Bible is open to the last page that the Grey Lady was reading the night before. <laughs> and Kyra says, I've always loved this story. Proper old lady haunting, good for tours. Or so I thought. There had been a show and it was late. I had been volunteering there for over a year. And at that point, I was pretty happy anywhere in the building on my own. I was always asked to do a quick check on temperature-controlled bookcases and to close the Bible when the staff sorted out the performers. I did this no hassle, no hair standing on the back of my neck, nothing but the loud creaking of my own footsteps. After going back and helping to clear up the equipment uh, when we were about to leave, then someone looked at the CCTV. The Bible was open. I seriously doubt any of the people could have gone in there to do it. We were all so busy. Mm. It freaked me out, but fair play, old lady ghost. Yep, yep. Visitors knew the story of the Grey Lady and always said they could feel her presence, and it made them feel queasy. This is even mentioned on the most haunted show. However, the building is so old and warped that nothing is straight, not even the floor. I think the queasy feeling is a bit like seasickness. Ah. Uneven flooring and no straight wall to act as a horizon line can definitely make you feel off, especially if you're not used to it. That mm. is a very good point. Yeah, yeah, very good that point. is true. I like this, Cara, because you know you've um, this is written beautifully, and you've got all the facts, but you're also you know debating, which is great. Yeah, you're doing our job for us. Absolutely. Well, a little bit, yeah, but that's fine. The ghost cat. Oh, okay, okay. She says she'd have loved to have experienced this one. Me too. Fair enough. <laughs> the cat is active in the library, especially on the stairs and in the great hall. People claim to have heard a noise like a cat crying and soft footsteps on the steps. <laughs> But the main evidence is done in its behaviour. It is notorious for tripping up people on the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> if someone falls down, they always say they felt something brush past their legs or stand on their feet before they trip. No doubt, it's got to be a cat. Yeah. Even like if that. it's a dead one. Well, you know. Yeah. I, <laughs> I like that. People know I'm a cat lover and even if it's a dead cat, I'd probably be trying to pick it up. I'm probably not allergic to dead cats. You'd hope not, wouldn't you? No, I mean, that'd be really shit if I'm allergic to dead ones as well. <laughs> So last but not least, the cells. Mm. The cells are set slightly below street level. Okay. There are two of them. Victorian cells didn't bother separating male, female, child prisoners. Instead, they just jammed them all into one. There are no windows in the cell apart from the grill. In the door, there is a wooden shutter that can be closed by a guard. During this period, police were effectively paid per arrest. Oh, right. So there were a lot of prisoners. Mm. Nowadays, as an exhibit, you can open the grill and look into the cells. They're really pitch black until you flick on a light. 
and then you can see the mannequins dressed in Victorian clothing. That's already quite oh, sinister. Oh, God, you know, there's one thing that scares me well, as a kid, absolutely terrified me, is waxworks or mannequins, and they still give me the heebie-jeebies. I remember you going around Chiselhurst Caves, yeah. <laughs> I just don't like them. Because they look like dead people standing up with their eyes open. Um, back to the story. Yeah. <laughs> I swear every family with little kid holds the child to the grate, then flicks the switch to freak them out. So many squeals. So my parents would have been punched if they'd done that to me. <laughs> anyway, during a ghost hunt, they asked to be put into the cells. Sure, sounds like a fun time. Didn't take long. Lots of screaming and hyperventilating. Oh. Apparently one of them was being strangled, another constrained, like, I was in a gibbet. A gibbet is a cage in the shape of a body. Oh, okay. Surprise, surprise, the jail has a gibbet. Of course. I think I'm saying that right. It was last used to display the body of a cannibal outside the old city gates. Ooh, that's gruesome. Mm. She then finishes with, sorry for the long email. I hope the stories are of interest. They really are. Thank mm, you so, absolutely. so much. If you're ever in Leicester, Guildhall is worth a visit. Small but mighty. It sounds it. Hope you enjoyed the stories. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Cara. That is yeah, brilliant. Thank you. And I hope if you're still listening to the podcast and we'll hear your stories on here. Um, yeah, she's been seething for ages because yes. you haven't read them out, I'm sure. Seethe, seethe, seethe. If you don't stop seething, you'll turn into a seethe. <laughs> Blackadder. Okay, of course. Yeah. Um, I love those stories. Thank yeah, you so much. Yeah, they were good. They were well worth hanging on to. And um, now we have a reason to go visit Leicester. Yeah, it sounds like a fascinating place. Yeah. Um, and last but not least, we have uh, some stories from Devin. And I hope I'm saying your name right, Devin. Do message me and complain if I'm not. Um and I have to say, this is another one, quite a long one, but very, very worth it and absolutely beautifully written. So I'm just so touched that people have actually taken time to really sit down and, you know, write these out properly. It is nice when people so construct their thoughts, Huge thank it? you. Huge thank you. Okay, here we go. I've been misfortunate enough to experience a lot of things that can't be logically explained. Indeed, after joining the military, I would argue that I've experienced even more things solidified by my belief in the paranormal. Obviously, some of the weird things I've seen can probably be explained by sleep deprivation. A few of my stories happened while I was standing on 24-hour duty. Oof. Yeah. But there are a few things where I've been entirely sober and well-rested, and even alongside other witnesses when they happened. This is a quick write-up of all the spooky occurrences that I don't have any explanations for. Ooh, okay, okay. Hold on to your hats. I grew up where the lilting plains of the prairie collide with the foothills of the Colorado Rockies. Um, as English people, this all sounds very cool and that very sounds, American to us. Sounds very, no, <laughs> yeah. it sounds very pretty as well. Very I, was pretty. Like, I was just thinking, that's a really nice way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. I said, this, this guy writes so nicely. Mm. The suburban Denver metro area is an eyesore, blemishing the natural beauty worthy of its own National Geographic series. But in the early 2000s, the horrendous mass of apartment complexes, shopping centres etc., maintained a tacit truce with the expansive high plains. Developers made sure to offer respectful nods towards nature, building in plenty of spaces for parks, recreational trails and nature preserves interspersed with the rapidly growing urban metropolis. Okay. It was on one of those trails where I first encountered something I could not rationalise away. For all of its natural beauty, Colorado did not exactly have much of a coveted nightlife, the brooding teens chase for thrills. <laughs> Instead, many of the more well-off kids hosted said nightlife at various house parties. That's tradition. I like the sound of yeah, that. With yep. direct supervision of their parents. 
My friends and I did not have that luxury, so we resorted to basic degeneracy instead. <laughs> One crisp autumn night, two good friends and I snuck out of my friend's house through an all-too-familiar sub-level window. We squeezed and shimmied our way out of the tiny ground-level opening and quietly stalked into the darkness like a patrol of soldiers sneaking around in the night. We didn't have any particular plan. We just wanted to see what we could stumble on in the local park. Hmm. End Park feels like an ancient cornerstone for a new community. It sits nestled into the bowl of the hills and canals teeming with trees and undergrowth. The wide open space in the park feels like it could be a fey fortress with the canals offering a natural fence line between bustling through fairs and neighbourhoods around it. Thanks to the trees and the unlit trails all around, the park was an ideal jump-off point for almost every teenage misadventure I had in those formative years. That does sound perfect. It does. (laughs) As if through an ancient accord with the spirits of the underbush, we could move through the park like we owned the place, yet we felt like interlopers all at once. Winter hadn't quite hit the Denver metro area, but the cold night pressed in nonetheless. I personally was unprepared for the extra chilly temperatures, opting to wear my trademark band t-shirt and jeans instead of something warm. Nothing wrong with band t-shirts, I'll say that. No, but I'd stick a jumper over the top. Yes. So we moved through the park at a slightly faster pace, for my sake, as I tried to use physical activity to keep me warm. Boredom had also set in with us that night, as we didn't want to follow the usual trail to the left into another suburban neighbourhood. So instead... We followed the main trail to the right and headed towards a sprawling nature reserve deeper inside of the isolated park. Mm. Since hindsight is 2020, I will admit that this was actually pretty dumb. (laughs) But that's the way we decided to go. Well, teenagers do know everything. Uh, Well, you know, you do these things. Yeah. In a few minutes, we approached the canal bridge that guided the trailhead towards the nature reserve. The bridge was shrouded in Dekaven's trademark darkness and the only hint of light was admitting from the loading dock of the grocery store on the skyline behind the whole trail. We had crossed this bridge countless of times during the day. Indeed, we'd watched dozens of runners and families cross this bridge to enjoy the quiet, tranquil preserve. But, at night, the bridge made the hairs on the back of my arms stand up. Something about it felt off as I tried to use the pinprick of light to see into the distance if there was any reason for my gut feeling. Mm. As I glared intensely into the darkness, a thunderous sound began to charge down the opposite path and across the bridge. Four distinct clatters could be heard rumbling and trundling its way across the bridge right towards my friend and I. I planted my feet and faced the cacophony as I tried to reason what exactly was charging through the darkness. In my mind, it sounded like a horse was galloping as it fled towards the open freedom of the park. But I stood there, arguing with myself, because there was very little chance that a horse was gallivanting through suburbia, so I reasoned it could be a person riding a skateboard like a bat of hell as well. (laughs) Either way, I decided to stand in the middle of the path and try and figure out what it was. My friends apparently had a better horror movie survival technique than I did, instinct, (laughs) because they sprinted off the path as soon as the thunderous sound continued to charge towards us. When my best friend noticed I hadn't followed their haphazard dive into the bushes, he sprinted out and tackled me by the waist and pulled me off it. Just as he pulled me out of the way, the sound stopped. 
and nothing emerged from the haunting darkness of the bridge. We took the incident as a collective sign that nothing good will come from stomping around the park that night. Mm. So we all elected to leave. That's some good instincts there. Yeah. The whole walk back to the park's entrance was a mixture of trash talk and curious wonder. We couldn't figure out what had happened and my friends and I were arguing about whether or not we'd just gotten charged by a ghost horse. After asking several times why my best friend had pulled me off the path, he finally shut down our banter with, I don't want to talk about it. Mm. I shrugged and finally let the conversation die off. We finally started to quieten down as we walked to the well-lit gazebo standing at the entrance of the park. It was the last obstacle between us and freedom from this weird skateboard horse thing. (laughs) Weird skateboard horse thing, yeah. All we had to do was walk up the last hill and cross the street. But I was so confounded by our confrontation at the bridge that I turned one last time to say, Dude, I swear that was a horse. As if on cue... A chuffing snort of a horse answered me inches from my ear. (laughs) I spun around and looked into the well-looked gazebo area, but it was deserted. My friends and I all came to the same realisation that we'd all heard the same invisible horse. As if the horse had been a shot of a starter pistol, we all started sprinting up the hill and we didn't stop running until we were back into the safe confines of the neighbourhood. Wow. That's quite different to what we've. Uh, it is. I mean, sort of things we've we got have. more from um, from Divin here, but yeah, that's I've never heard of anything like that really. No, actually, gave you a bit of a turn, didn't it? The, uh, that the, was interesting. The horse in the that. ear. Then that that says something. Vince doesn't usually resp- respond. Well, I wasn't expecting that to happen. No. That's, that's a good. That's a good. Can you get a, a horse noise into the? Uh... I think that would cheapen the moment. Oh, shame. No, no, no. Um. So he continues to write. Mm. Little stories like the ghost horse permeate my childhood and teenage years. Small isolated occurrences with funny contexts around them feel like pretty common baseline for paranormal believers. But it wouldn't be until I joined the Marine Corps and chewed dirt across two continents and four countries that I would experience what an actual haunting was that had law attached to it. Ah, uh, okay. In 2013, I started my tour in Akanoa, Japan. And it will say... A lot of typical stories about the island do not capture the actual nuance of the place. Oh, okay, yeah, I've heard of Okinawa, yeah. Uh I'm saying it right then, that's good. For starters, most of the usual ghost stories describe the American military presence on the island as one base, or maybe two. In reality, a whole network of insulations dot the island's central and southern areas. No less than six Marine Corps bases two Navy bases, one Air Force base and two military airfields, one Army base, have served as America's cornerstone in the Asia-Pacific for decades. Okay. The new one seems small, but it's actually pretty important to understand the validity of an Akonawa ghost story. Most casual listeners only have the US and Western context for the ghost stories told on the island. A lot of them wind up getting duped by the tale of a ghostly samurai warrior riding through the the base housing in full armour. It's a pity that the author who penned the story in the 90s did not do enough historical research to realise that Akinawa was actually part of the Ryukyu Kingdom until the 1800s, well after traditional samurais became a thing of the past. Okay, okay. 
Indeed, Akanawa has a borderline independent culture from mainline Japan in many ways. Oh, okay. But the most pronounced difference between the two is the sheer reverence that the Akanawan people have for their ghosts. Hmm. The Akanawan landscape is accented with shrines and cemeteries both old and new. Even abroad, a number of US military bases around the island, there are restricted areas of jungle with barely visible trails that lead off to an ancestral shrine in the depths of the tangled bush. But Akonawa's reverence for the dead also bleeds into his architecture, with shisha dog statues standing in many public places to ward off evil spirits, and two-week-long festivals in August known locally as Obon, dedicated to appease angry spirits. Wow, a two-week festival. Hmm. Yeah, we should do that. It does sound really interesting. This, Stretch Halloween it? out for two weeks. Well, we can't do that anyway. <laughs> I guess it's quite different to Halloween. It sounds interesting, though. Yeah. At 20 years old, with less than six months of living in the midst of all this historical context, I would be no match for the angry spirits and that would not be appeased by Akanawa's traditions. I lived on Camp Hassan, situated by the infamous Kintown. My battalion headquarters sat in the shadow of the hill, with one of Akanawa's most notorious shrines resting on the top of it, and the barracks where we slept was maybe a hundred yards behind it. That barracks would be a nightmare for generations of marines stationed within that unit. Mm. When I first moved to the island on the orders of the military, things weren't easy. The only reason I was living in that barracks was because of an administrative error with my orders. Even though I was newly married, I wasn't able to move my wife with me and when I moved overseas, so I stayed in the barracks and tried to settle in as best as I could. Must have been very lonely. Mm. The building was a creepy grey colour, but the insides were clean and well-maintained. Our living conditions were incredible compared to some of my other experiences, so I was happy to settle in. I hadn't had any weird vibes and no gut feelings screaming at me to warn me the place was haunted. I was just trying to get by in a new place with new people and new stresses all around. I actually changed my sleep schedule to best maintain my work life and my new marriage, going to sleep as soon as work was over, then waking up in the very early hours. Things worked out pretty well as I settled into a temporary arrangement at my new unit. All I had to do in the meantime was pass the free time until I could move my family back together again. Hmm. So, I borrowed my friend's hard drive and downloaded the World War II drama The Pacific onto my laptop in order to stay occupied in my free time. After a couple of months, I finally settled into a rhythm. This is why it was super odd when I woke up one night feeling a pressure on my shoulder like someone was resting their hand on it. The door to my room in the barracks was locked and my old roommate didn't have access to my sleeping area. I laid there with my eyes closed debating two things. One, was I actually feeling this weird hand on my shoulder? And two, if not, which of my creepy ass friends would just rest their hand on me until I woke up? (laughs) Evidently, I would have to open my eyes to find out. With the safe assumption that one of my barracks drinking buddies was playing a prank on me, I popped my eyes open. Inches away from my face, my gaze was met by a little girl dressed in traditional Akawaiian clothes with black holes where her eyes should be. I jumped up and struck out with my arm, desperately trying to punch this ghost girl in the jaw. But instead, I almost threw my laptop off my bed and getting tangled in the wires. Now, fully awake, I struck out to find the friends I thought were trying to drag me out for a drink. 
After hanging out with them for a bit until midnight, I ended going back to my room, still fully sober but unable to sleep. I propped my laptop back open and put the Pacific back on. That was a mistake. (laughs) I was on the final couple of episodes showing the battle of Okinawa. Over the next couple of hours, I watched the graphic retelling of the battle. The Pacific was notoriously gritty and they spared no details of how brutal the combat was. So, until about 3am, I watched this horrid story unfold on a little 12-inch screen. I have to say, uh, if I'd seen a terrifying ghost girl, I then yeah, wouldn't is, is go your, and watch... Is your response to watch that and we'll go to the pub? Definitely uh, not. Hmm. As I finally started to relax from my rude awakening, I realised I still had time for a catnap before I had to be up to work out with my platoon later that morning. So, I rolled over and got ready to go back to sleep. I tucked into my blankets, then faced my back towards the rest of the room. I was determined to catch up on some sleep, lost to that noisy-ass ghost girl. (laughs) Just as I found a comfortable spot and closed my eyes to rest, the odd sound of the door scraping against the carpet broke my concentration. I held my breath, reached for my phone and turned on my flashlight. I rolled over with the phone's flashlight pointing towards the sound, I noticed my closet door gaping open wide behind me. It had opened on its own. I held my watch to the light. I noticed it was exactly 3am in the morning. God, they have to be up early, these soldiers, don't they? Yeah. I have never noped my way out of a room faster. Oh, I got my first noped. Yay! (laughs) This person's been listening to real life ghost stories. Good, good. I have never noped my way out of a room faster. I spent the rest of the night in the smoke pit, eventually telling the story to a couple of friends in my platoon. As time went on, more people saw the little girl and came forward with their own creepy tales. A couple of them believed that she was tied to the shrine at the top of the hill after dying in battle. Others had no idea where she came from, just that she was creepy as hell. Either way, having a couple of folks to share my experiences with make me feel a little more sane. Understandably. <laughs> Devin, thank you so so much. That is astounding. <laughs> yeah, those are really good stories. Yeah, and thank you so much. You said the you, the way you've taken the care to write it down so beautifully. Yeah, it's absolutely they were amazing. Yes. Thank you so so much. I hope I did it justice. Um, I have mentioned it before. I I have dyslexia, so if I've stumbled or said a word wrong, I apologise. Um, but yeah, I hope I hope I did it justice. Those, are, got, those were some very good stories. Vince has got a lot that. to edit. <laughs> Yes, Vince has a lot to edit. It's fine. Vince knew he was, had, would yeah. have a lot to edit. It's okay. Um, he will edit it so it sounds beautiful, I'm sure. It will be as smooth as I can get it. Yeah, smooth as a baby's bum. Yeah. Um, but yeah, amazing story. So huge yeah. thanks to Devin, um, Angie and Cara um, for sending in your stories. Amazing. If you've been troubled by Japanese girls yes. um, while you're sleeping, <laughs> then um, please write in. <laughs> she died in battles, obviously as little well, kids. That, that, was, that was speculation, wasn't it? They yeah. Were, they were guessing. Obviously she's not but... fighting in the battle, but just kind of a casualty of war yeah, type yeah. thing. Um, yeah, so honestly, it's so been so, so lovely. Such a joy to have people send their stories in and to get to read them. So if you have a spooky story that you'd like to share with us. Yeah, if, if, if this has inspired you. Yeah, a first-hand account or like Cara said, you know, stories of, you know, a place she works or she knows, then please do send them in. Yeah, we would like to hear this because it's nice to hear bits of other parts of the world. Yeah. Like we would not probably, I mean, I suppose we, we've 
gone to Japan a little bit in the stories, haven't we? But specifically Okinawa. <laughs> I thought you meant like cool. in real life. I was like, I don't no, remember that. No, we, we don't get to go anywhere. <laughs> no, <laughs> ever, never, ever, ever. No. Um, yeah, so amazing. And uh, yeah, I never heard anything like the ghost horse one before. That was really cool. That was cool, yeah. Um, but heck, we also we do need to go to Leicester. I think yeah, we should go to Leicester. That's an easier yeah, trip to that's make. a much easier trip. There's only a few hours up the road. <laughs> um, so thank you so much. Um, we'll be back in yeah. a couple of weeks with back to our normal format, and I think we're on to a song episode next. That's what you said earlier. So I, I guess did. that's what we're going to do. Yes, because we've just done. We did uh, Silent Night last time, didn't we? We did. Um, so again, very happy New Year. Have a lovely January if you can. Oh, um, I, mean, I think people could generally manage to get yeah. through it. I mean, it's definitely the Monday of the year, but it's it okay. Is, absolutely. Um, yeah, and. Uh, we've got a new trailer out, so listen listen out for it. Um, yeah, sorry, you, sorry if you listen to other podcasts similar to this, you yeah, probably have to hear our voices hear our once in a while. You might hear our sorry. voices crop up, soz. Yeah. Uh, but yes, Happy New Year, and we'll speak to you soon. Yes, take care. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.